another episode of Dark Rhino Security Confidential. Today we have a very special guest. Uh, Mia Lansom joins us. Mia is one of the nominees this year for Cybersecurity Women of the Year. She's an honest to God celebrity in her homeland. Uh, she has written a best selling children's book. Uh, she is a cybersecurity practitioner. And she has taken up some very noble causes, including getting the laws changed in her own in her home country, and getting uh, the law enforcement much more engaged with uh, cyber law enforcement, uh, especially when it comes to minors. And she's gonna, she's kind enough to join us today, and we are honored to have her here. Thank you, Mia, for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for being here. Thank you. You know. Um, you know, uh, prior to the show for our listeners, you'd say we had a little discussion and, and Mia has uh, done some very serious work. And, and I think, Mia, it would be good to get our listeners a little bit of the beginning. Like, how did you get engaged with cybersecurity? What was your journey uh, into this uh, arena of cyber and then to the nomination for the Cybersecurity Woman of the Year Award? So, yeah, uh, my way into security is a bit uh, bumpy, I guess. Um, I've always loved video games. So I started loving computers and like PlayStation and Nintendos and stuff when I was really young. I always like to play with my cousin um, and stuff like that. Um, so I always loved computers, but then it was the security part of it. Uh, I got interested in that. I don't really know when. I was maybe 10. And when I started thinking about security, because I was hearing about people getting hacked or losing their gaming accounts, and I really did not want that to happen. It never happened to me. I'm very glad. Um, but my friends started to get their accounts hacked and stuff. So that was like the first time I've ever thought about that. Um, then um, I continued uh, this gaming stuff uh, for a while and actually made some money by streaming gaming and uh, went to like gaming cons and uh, stuff like that and really enjoyed it and getting interested in how to build the computers to have the best computer possible for my games, of course. Um, and through that uh, arena, I got friends that uh, went to like IT school or uh, who was into hacking and stuff like that. So I got like introduced to it when I was maybe, yeah. 13, I guess, okay. 13 and 14. Uh, and I started just to look at stuff. I, I, find, I found it uh, fun to solve puzzles and do small hacky things, uh, but I wasn't really good at it, really. Um, and then um, I was a Taekwondo specialist, so really? I was on the national team uh, in Taekwondo and spent my spare time just playing games because I was really tired. I did not always have, I was training a lot, so I did not always have the time to go out or energy to go out with friends. So, so were you trying out for the Olympic team? Uh, yeah, actually, my plan was 2020, um, but I damaged my knee a lot. So I don't know if I'll be able to kick again. Um, oh, I've had I'm four years of that. injury. Uh, but I really wanted to pursue that Olympic dream. And I went to the Norwegian School of Sports Sciences um, to learn more about sport and to like just work out all the time. So I was doing that a lot, and since I was so tired, I did not have the time to meet my friends, and I didn't get to 
drink or party like everyone else. So it got kind of lonely, you know. I couldn't drink or party and everyone was partying. Um, so I just was playing games and having friends uh, in the gaming world, really. Uh, yeah. Are there learnings that you took away as an athlete, uh, as someone that was training that you have applied to the world of cybersecurity? Well, yeah, I am a fighter. I was a martial artist, um, so I am a fighter for sure. I really got into the world of cyber when my ex-boyfriend took a picture of me without me knowing. And yeah, when I broke up with him, he, yeah, he placed it all over internet. He sent it to someone who hated me and told them to send it everywhere. Um, so I really got to feel not just online bullying, but uh, like harassment and blackmailing people trying to threaten me and my family. And it was just everywhere, everywhere at school, everywhere on the internet, Pornhub, porn sites. I was getting nasty messages like all the time. Uh, so I did not find the internet funny anymore. Um, I started to really see the, the security part of it. So I, I think the way I've, I've been training my head for so long that I think we, if I did not have that, I wouldn't be here anymore. I got really depressed and suicidal uh, after my pictures uh, oh, no. or my picture got out. Um, but I think that I really had this tough head, mentally tough head, um, after years of training in the martial arts, uh, that I I survived. Um, but I started to get really angry, right? So I I'm a fighter and. The thing about sports and cybersecurity is the tactics and techniques. I'm used to spending hours a day just to do one special technique, just one kick, right? And just look at it yeah. and break it into pieces and see and record it. Like, what am I doing wrong? Why is my foot not going higher? Why did I not hit that person? Uh, what did I do wrong? So I, it's kind of the same thing. And it made me maybe do the same thing in the cybersecurity world. So when my picture got out, I didn't just like cry and give up. I I started to figure out what kind of pages these pictures uh, was uh, saved on. Um, okay, what is this page and how does it work and how can we take it down? I started to look at takedowns for pictures. Um, yeah, just nerding myself into the situation, really. So Mia, if you... Um you mentioned many serious things there. Yeah. But what, one of the things that uh, I'd love for you to address to our audience, uh, a lot are very young people, is, you know, bullying and getting these pictures out. And anything like this happens, some, uh, some horrible event. What should an individual do? You know, because we do hear a lot of young people uh, – uh, depression uh they suffer from mental illnesses and in the worst mm -hmm. cases they they lose their lives and nothing is worth the loss of one's life right? yeah so how, how would you advise them what would you say to them to say how should they address it any thoughts well it's really hard when someone does that to you especially when it's your own like boyfriend and stuff it's it's um 
it's heartbreaking and you really need to stay calm and just try to focus on collecting the evidence and that's also what I did took taking all the screenshots saving the pages that posted me saving the image URLs um, everything just saving everything I'm really happy that I have a, a cold head uh, or a cool head because of my sports experience because um, you you might do some mistakes when you're desperate after getting those pictures removed or um, or go into like a state of crisis um, you really have to stay calm and just collect everything you can uh, with the evidence and then you really have to talk to someone that's my biggest regret that I did not talk to anyone uh, I was a anxious child and I had a lot of bullying so I did not really have anyone to tell this to I figured I'd solve it myself um, I think my head would be better if I spoke to someone early I had over time I had some friends to talk to and I ultimately reported the crime to the police after several years because I was scared and I really regret that I should have gone there at that time Let's chat about that for a second now. When you went to the police, what was their reaction to this? The police reaction, I don't know. I was really shocked because they did not know too much about this. Um, they were asking me a bunch of stuff, of course, if I had taken those pictures. And I said, of course, I didn't take those pictures. You see both my hands in the picture. He took it. So it was... It was kind of scary. I sat there with a male older than myself. Uh, he, he was nice, though. He, I've heard some stories about people having real bad experiences. Um, so he was really nice. Uh, but he did not know what I was talking about. And I felt like talking to a wall, kind of, even though he was nice. And it took a lot of time before anyone did anything. I didn't hear anything for a while. Um, and... I have I had all the evidence, you know. I had my ex-boyfriend that said, "I'm really sorry I did this to you, um, and uh, I really regret that, and I'm I'm ready to um, what is it called? Like I'm ready to take my punishments." Uh, so I had everything. I had the screenshot of him sharing it, the text, everything, um, and then like after many months, they just closed the case. Without Just doing, closed it without yeah. doing anything. No, nothing. Uh, so, are the laws in Norway uh, not? Are, are they in? What was the situation where the laws just didn't exist for them to enforce, or they were choosing not to enforce the law? There wasn't any laws that was talking about image abuse, but there is like a privacy concern, uh, harassment and stuff. Um, so it usually went under that kind of laws for harassment or. Um, the, the privacy um, and also you have uh, I don't really know how to translate that but it's like sexual harassment um, crimes yeah. so it, it went under that sexual harassment crimes uh, but we did have a law that was about children under the age of 18 that was uh, images that sexualizes children and that means everyone under 18 years old so, after being so heartbroken about my case being closed, I started studying the law. And I did see that they had placed it under sexual harassment for grown-ups. 
uh, at the time uh, I was like 18 I was like 19 before I reported the crime but in that picture I was like 17 uh, or 16 16 I think 16 17 uh, that means that this picture was a picture sexualizing a minor or a child actually in uh, Norwegian laws um, and the reason that they closed my case was that they said I had spent uh, too lo- too much time before reporting the crime. So mm-hmm. for the sexual um, like harassment laws, you have one year okay. to report a crime. But for the pictures of a minor or child, it's three. Um, at this point, I, I knew about the pictures one year after he had shared it. It was really slow in the beginning and then just exploding with me being on television and stuff or something. Um, so actually, I had three years and that's what I figured out. They had placed me under the adult adult loss okay. with one year to report. And I reported after maybe two and a half year. So I figured but- out out and I called them and I was kind of pissed actually and I said like I, I was a minor and this these are the correct laws and this lady was yelling at me in the phone. Really? She was yelling. She was a police person. Uh, yeah, she is actually um, like an, not an attorney like police attorney. Okay, her prosecutor. The, the, yeah, the woman who closed the case and she is a really known woman uh, in these kind of sexual uh, cases. And uh, she yelled at me, and I just wrote my own letter to the police, complaining about them closing the case and what was the correct um, law. And then it went, yeah, this was a year and a half, maybe after I first reported the crime. No one has reached out to me, and no one uh, asked me if I needed help or, or anything. Um, and then I just got a letter that he had to pay a 500 euro fee for ruining my life. 500 euros was the price of sexually harassing me and uh, destroying me. Um, and then I saw, again, they had placed it under the wrong laws. They had placed it under yeah. pornography. I'm not a porn star. And that's when I really got pissed off because the way that I got to know that my pictures was out there was when I was 18 and took my first bear outside in a bar. Um, And then I saw some boys laughing at me and I went there. I'm like, what's your problem? And they're like, you're that porn star, aren't you? So both those boys called me a porn star. I was on Pornhub, porn sites. Um, and then the police actually call it pornography. It is not pornography to have a sexualized picture of a child. And I complained again, uh, and they'd say, yeah, you cannot complain anything more now. I did not get any cash, nothing, no help, no information, no help to remove my picture. I spent one and a half year of my life to just for my ex to pay 500 euro. <laughs> it's so... And, and then they didn't... Did they end up opening up the case again? Then yeah, that's it? what they did when he got... Because um, they, they accepted that, yeah, we did something wrong. Uh, but then they placed it on the pornography. So it's just a mess. And that's when I got really pissed off. Um, and I started helping other people uh, in the same situation. I think that's that was kind of therapy for me. That's when I really started to enter the world of cyber, uh, when finding ways to find my pictures, 
reverse um, like a reverse image search um, I just really spent all night finding my pictures and then when I would find my pictures I would find anyone else's too like women that I knew from my hometown and I just got so obsessed with helping everyone um, I I I didn't have a good time and I figured out helping others too so they would not know about this at the first time by being called porn stars in bars. I really wanted them to hear it from me uh, in a respective um, and a kind way instead of getting nasty messages like I did because that's like a big shock. Um, so I just started telling people that your pictures are out and this is what you should do. So you're taking your skills now as a cyber professional and looking at helping other people who have yeah. had image abuse. I've helped happen. thousands of victims throughout these years, um, at the same time studying. Um, so I helped this um, world handball star and she was just like me. She was a, a, a sports star. Um, she's the world's best handball player, Nora. Merk, and she decided to help out. So I helped her when her pictures got out and she actually brought this to the media and she knew that by telling media about this, because this had happened to a lot of celebrities in Norway, but no one wants to talk about it. Uh, like everyone knows, but it's not everywhere. Uh, she knew that that picture would be everywhere and she's like the world's best handball player. So it would go worldwide. So yeah. she made this sacrifice to help me and and oh, everyone else to make people aware of this happening because I did not go to the media. I did not tell anyone about the work that I did. Um, and then she just went to the biggest newspapers and television shows in Norway, just speaking her case, uh, speaking for the victims and doing such a good job. And she name dropped me. And I got some interviews and I thought, okay, this will last some weeks and then it will be over. But now, like three years, uh, it's been three years, almost four years, and it's uh, not stopping. I got... And, you're, and you've lectured at 300 schools, over 300 schools as well. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've lectured everywhere in Norway. Um, I've written a children's book, as you mentioned. Um, she really gave me these opportunities and the media gave me the opportunity to actually make a real change, not just helping because I was exhausted by helping everyone alone. Um, and after the media explosion, I was getting like 30 messages a day and I was still in my second year of sports sciences uh, school and I just started I stopped sleeping, you know, I really wanted to fight this cause. So that's when I decided to quit my bachelor, the third year. Um, I just quit and I started on a network in IT security school here in Norway uh, because I really wanted to learn more because I wasn't like, I wasn't confident, uh, confident in my technical skills. I just knew like basic, basic tips and tricks. And I really wanted to help even more and, and make a change in this world. And of course, I didn't believe it at first, but now it's it's like it's actually happening. I was like a celebrity overnight. 
Um, I got to, to go to these TV shows. I got to write for the newspapers about what I wanted. Uh, people stopped asking like the old men for IT stuff. They started asking me. Um, so I really wanted to learn more and just use my skills. And it, it worked out pretty well. Now, and you, uh, you must have faced some backlash from mm. people as well. Yeah. I, I would imagine. I live in a secret address. I have a lot of males uh, that really, really hates me, spreading fake rumors about me, uh, harassing me, stalking me, um, death threats. Um, it's been really hard, but you kind of get used to it. Um, I'm really anxious, like when walking outside and yeah, I still struggle with a lot of it because it's been like a lot, like grown-up men stalking me at night, someone editing pictures of me being killed, um, oh threatening my. with weapons on my shows, uh, on my talks, uh, calling me a Nazi feminist. Um, I'm I'm helping both women and men, um, so I don't really get why. All men are so focused on this Nazi feminism stuff. I think it's really bad because feminism is a really good thing. And I'm not really talking about feminism like ever. I'm just helping out. And it seems that so many men are calling all women Nazi feminists when they are just talking about something important. Um, and if you're a woman and you talk about something and you get attention for it, then you're a Nazi feminist. Um, it's really weird, um, and I'm really scared about that internet culture. I think it's really damaging and scary. It's like a cult. Um, it, it is, I, and I can only imagine uh, getting an onslaught of such uh, harsh messaging. I, I actually can't imagine. I, I have never been yeah. the victim of that. Uh, but uh, And it's not only messages, you know. People I, follow me in the streets. They use knives. They are... Harassing my family, uh, video recording them. I had to quit my job when I was studying because they were entering the shop all the time, screaming and recording me. Um, it's really psycho. Um, it's, it's, but you were successful in spite of all this and getting some laws changed. Yeah, I did. We got new laws in July this year. After uh, Congratulations on that. <laughs> thanks. That takes, yeah. So what it were they? Cool. Can you yeah give us a little color? So today. now it's not just like sexual harassment. These are laws that actually mention uh, pictures uh, that image abuse. It actually it, it's kind of it's kind of all it's the same rules, but they're rewritten so people really understand that these kind of things are illegal. Um, I'm still not quite happy with the new laws because it's under the same paragraph as um, if I was recording you falling and posting it and you were hum humiliated, it's the same law. Um, so I don't like they that. They didn't give it the gravity of what it – because that's a personal violation, right? It's a, yeah. it's a huge personal violation yeah. of yourself, This, this your is the sexual or... violation, you know, and like videoing someone falling and the typical funny yeah. videos around, that's not the same thing. So that's like another story. But it, I think it's really good that we actually have it written down now. So now I'll work to get this into its own laws. And uh, 
I doubt that will happen, but it, it's a step in the right direction, you know. And and also a positive thing is that it gives the victims um, the possibility to to get some money. You know, I don't know the English word. When you if you oh, get yeah, hit. you're getting some restitution. Yeah, for... yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not get anything when I reported the crime, but now it actually says that you will get that. So that's and a positive a, things. And law enforcement has become much more conscious of this now, uh, and they're yeah. not so quick to dismiss some other person that's been a victim of this kind of a situation. Yeah, they all. know they know even more now. Uh, I had my talks with the police as well, uh, and now I feel like it's much better. It's a lot of great people in the in the in the in both uh, cybersec now and in the police it's much better but it's not perfect and it has to be even better you know um, i'm not satisfied um there's still some people out there that actually like tells the victims uh no you cannot report that because it was your fault uh, we do have some of those old guys that works in the police that actually just make victims turn away and who actually victims shames the victims. And the fun thing is when I started doing my talks, it was really successful. Uh, everyone was booking me and I was traveling 100 days a year. Uh, but oh, then... Imagine 300 lectures, TED Talks, uh, TV appearances... Yeah. When do you get to actually practice cyber? But I'm sorry. <laughs> In school. Um, so uh, it was really fun because uh, the police started asking me questions and wanting to learn from me. So I actually had a talk at the law school and stuff and the police academy. So that was really positive. And then they just arrived with their own talk um, called... Uh, it's not really a translation for it, but it's it's their own theme uh, about um, pictures and image abuse. They were like copying my uh, my kind of presentations, and they were actually taking notes at my talks. I of course let them, but then they copied like my whole talk, and and then started traveling uh, all over Norway with their own talk, with the same things. So, but that's, I, I like that they kind of did it um, and people well, still liked my talks better. So I don't mind. Well, you know, there's a, a saying in English, flattery, you know, um, copying mimicry is the greatest form of flattery. Yeah, so was, but it was positive because people seem to respect the law and the uniforms, of course. And then they actually made uh, like um, internet patrols. Uh, they actually have like a Facebook account and an Instagram account that people can ask questions to. And that was one of the things that I thought was missing because I did see in other countries that they had those kind of things. So now they have that and it's getting better, but they need to learn more. I'm not now, satisfied. What, now, did you go after a lot of these online sites that are posting these images, right? And have... Yeah very little accountability uh, what was that experience like did you get any kind of a positive reaction from them or were they completely indifferent they started out actually just telling me to stay back like this is the work for the police and we don't think that maya should do this kind of things so they were really negative in the start in the start in the beginning uh but then they 
they kind of chilled more. I started actually winning prize prizes um, and awards for my work and uh, did some big headlines and helping the police with their cases. Like they were, um, if they they would say to the newspapers, yeah, we catch this predator. Uh, but they didn't mention like, yeah, Mia gave us this, <laughs> this predator. <laughs> so they would actually like steal my glory in cases. Um, but then they started cooperating. They knew that I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping to discuss things with them. I will not stop telling them what's wrong and what's right. And people started to acknowledge, acknowledge that. And they, they, they had the same feelings like me. And they cannot stop the feelings of a whole nation. Um, so they started saying Mia does a really good job. And uh, we applaud her. What a change of tone. Yes, it took like three years, but they invite me for stuff now. They want me to work there. Um, so um, it's a really positive thing now. They have some more work to do. Some employees in this internet patrols are not uh, nice people. So some of them really don't like me, but I get that. It must be hard to have a, a blonde 24-year-old tell you how to do your job. I get that, but yeah. It's much more positive now, and, and that that's that's why I keep doing this because I do see that there is a change. Um, also, I finished my studies last year in uh, June, and I got a job at Orange Cyber Defense as a pen tester, penetration tester slash ethical hacker. Uh, and my what really also helped me when people was like threatening me and stuff is that my uh, my employer has my back. Uh, they believe in me. They let me do my work. They let me speak. They will not silence me. That's why I'm not working in the police, because they will silence me. They will not let me talk. Um, so I'm, I'm so happy that I'm in a good place. And even though I still got a lot of threats and hate, um, I'm getting used to it. And I'm just really happy to help. And to be nominated to the Cybersecurity Woman of the Year as well uh, was just amazing. Um, I didn't win the prize, uh, but it made me connect with a lot of cool people. Like my, my LinkedIn is like so full of amazing things. Like LinkedIn oh, got yeah. more interesting than Facebook. So I got to connect with so many great and cool people. So I hope to do more work internationally. Um, I know there's still some states in the U.S. Uh, where it's not illegal to spread people's yes. photos. And also you mentioned like children, my work with children. Like my main thing is not just helping people that um, are a victim of image abuse, but also uh, children with grooming and... Uh, yeah, child sexual, sexually, child abuse online. Um, I work a lot in those cases too. Now, and, have uh, have the laws made it harder for you as a cybersecurity practitioner to go and find this information out there? Has, well, has... yeah, there there are rules. You know, I there's privacy rules. It's GDPR. It's a lot of rules that you need to watch out for. And of course, you cannot save um, pictures of children, even though your intentions are great. Uh, you really have to be in this gray zone. Um, because, of course, if I do find something, I will send it directly to the police. 
So if you do that, then it then it's okay. Because um, I work a lot with really um, horrible cases with children online, and I work on finding Norwegian victims. I actually did place pedophiles in jail. That's also why I'm getting death threats, because I ruined their lives. Well, good to hell with them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally agree. I hope they get the help that they need. Um, but I work with these tough things. Um, I don't recommend people to do it. You really need a tough head. It's horrible to watch. Um, and you need, like, I'm trying to find Norwegian victims, um, but you will see a lot of people or child, children being in pain. Um, and that's the worst part of it, actually. Or the worst part is seeing, like, grown-ups uh, that do this kind of things. And then they will go home to their wives or their husband and live normally with their kids. So I'm working a lot with that kind of stuff and to catch these predators um, that lives, especially lives in Norway. Um, and the laws, of course, like I am not like you have seen these TV shows where they catch uh, groomers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I don't do that kind of things. I do not post anyone on my Instagram or something. I do not post the predators or people i am i'm following the laws uh, i'm not doing anything uh, that i'm not supposed to not using tools you know i could easily find more ip addresses or find out where people live or their names but the law stops me to do so so i can only find ip addresses in a, like a legal way way um yeah and sometimes um People like when they hear that I work as a hacker, they think that I do a lot of illegal stuff. But when you are an ethical hacker, you do have great yeah, respect of the laws. Yeah, we had, uh, uh, in fact, we had uh, an instance today right before the show where there was a client that wanted us to try and test various aspects of their environment. And it would have absolutely gotten us in trouble had we done that there's rules yeah. here that you you cannot go uh just because we know something's broken we can't go exploit that vulnerability yeah and there i to a degree it's a handicap too there there's no exception under the law for us to actually go uh and and help someone in yeah. that regard there, we, and, and we so do that like have laws we do kind of have laws like if someone's in danger or life danger, you are allowed to like, let, let's say you're lost on a mountain and uh, you, you found a cabin, you're freezing, you have no food or water and you break into the cabin to save your life. Then you will not get the criminal charges uh, pushed against you. Uh, but I'm, I'm also like playing a little bit with that because um, if you do see a child being uh, raped, um, that's the danger. That's a danger, and that should, by law, allow me to use tools to find out who this person is. Uh, and they keep saying that the, the the physical rules they are the same as online. And I tell them, yeah, but then why cannot you? Can I not use this tool to save this child? Oh yeah, because right. that's an illegal tool. Because they have uh, privacy too. And I'm like, yeah, but what about these laws? You do say that the physical laws are the same on the internet. So why, why is that, this not the same? So I'm trying to figure out more about this. Because like, if I was to see a live stream of a child being raped, I would use whatever 
I would use whatever I could do to find out where this child is. Wow. Um, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and, and if the laws want to punish me for that, then so be it. Um, I haven't done anything of that because it's, it's not really common that you will find like a live stream of a child uh, from your hometown like being raped. Uh, most of it are already recorded stuff. So it's not the danger there. It might be an old video. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out those rules and what, what can we actually do because the laws are a bit outdated. Um, I think they knew, need to get a renewal. Like they need yes, to be reviewed do. because it's a lot of new tools. Sometimes they will say, we do not allow programs that does this and this. Okay, but what if it's not a program? Can I then do that? So we really need to figure out those things. Um, but I, I am completely bound by the law and I will continue to follow them until I see something like murder or child rape on live. Um, that, then see, I, that, I, I hope you never see that. To, no. That, me neither. <laughs> I hope that I don't see that. But if I do, then I might like go a walk in my head and be like, okay, I am able to do this, but it's a bit sketchy. It might be in a really gray zone. It might cost me my job. So I don't know before I'm in that situation. I've been in some really tough situations and not breaking the law. So it would take a lot. And I don't think I would be punished for it either. Um I don't think they would. So, yeah, but it's it's really interesting. It's an interesting theme and stuff to talk about because I think the laws are, especially here in Norway, they are so old. Um, so people all, don't all know. over the world, all over the world. And, yeah, people and, don't and, you know, know anything. And, see, and, and you know, uh, Mia, to take a little sidestep here, we see the same thing with compliance. We look at compliance yeah. standards; they're antiquated. Uh, they they are a static position in time, and they do not uh, provide the protections. It's a standard. Yeah. It's like a minimum standard that yeah. you could apply. But uh, in terms of actually making a difference in cyber, uh, they're, they're not able to keep up. And the same thing goes on with laws. You, the, the system was not set up to deal with a rapidly changing yeah environment and i yeah. i hope your generation when you guys get into power and are making the laws yeah uh, will be able to make uh, significant changes to that yeah and i I've, so i started taking like the political steps um i have never like been politically active but recently i joined the labor party here in norway which is the most um popular one here actually um, and I'm going, I, I just recently just joined and I'm going to like look into their plans for the IT security parts and try to work with them because uh, there's an election now this year and I really want to find, um, yeah, like the Labour Party who actually cares about security in school. Uh, we actually have security in school now. I'm in those uh, books, actually, the children's books. It's really cool. Like when they update those school books, then suddenly I'm in it. That's it's really cool. Very cool. Yeah, and that's why I want to get more politically politically active with the Labour Party and um, and try to change this, not just alone, because I have this still this bad thing that I want to take everything on my shoulders. 
I will take everyone's pain on my shoulders, even though I could have a shitty day myself. I will take all of these things, you know, but I need to trust others sometimes too and and get help um, to not be alone in my feelings and what I mean and what I fight for. They share the same things um, and feelings like I do. Um, so to have not just me in front, but also like a group of people uh, that will allow me to talk about this stuff and that agree with me, that means that we can change more laws, that we can actually do more things. And I, I do not have to do all of this alone. And that's also like what I want to tell people. Like if you're a victim of whatever, you really have to become a fighter you know it it just it doesn't just go away you really have to cry you do need to break down uh you do need to find a new purpose of your life when you lost all the purpose like i had the sports and stuff but it didn't mean anything especially not after i hurt my knee um nothing meant anything i could just die i i had that kind of feeling but then i found something new that i really wanted to do and that had big meaning for me and and for everyone else too, like to get messages from victims saying like, Mia, I was going to kill myself and I want to thank you for saving my life. Like that's heartbreaking. And I wish that I wasn't the one who spoke to them. I wish that the police was helping them removing those pictures and that we had like a crisis team to come and talk to the victims. Like if you were raped, you would get to like a crisis center you would get uh, uh, help. Someone would come and talk to you, take tests. Um, and I want that to be like for, for internet abuse and sexually, sexual uh, abuse online too. I want it to be the same as they say it's supposed to be. I want people to get help and to feel that someone is listening to them and understanding them. People are not... Um, like some people say, yeah, but just don't send those images and the problem will stop. Because no, it will not stop. Because people will take those pictures of you anyway if they want them. In the changing room, uh, in your own bedroom. Um, like people are so desperate for these photos. It will not help if people stop sending them. And sending a photo of your boobs to your boyfriend is not a crime. But for this boyfriend to screenshot it and post it on Pornhub. That's a crime. We need to yeah. to lay the like we need, really need, really need to stop blaming the victims and start talking about this these assholes, both male and female assholes that is spreading those photos. That's you the know, illegal part. Mia, every cause needs a champion. And uh, we're grateful that you've taken up a very noble cause and have become that champion. Uh, to you know, a lot of things law enforcement should do, or government should do, or other uh, things should work a different way. But that's not the world we live in. Yeah. Um, and but I'm not satisfied and it requires by that. People, and and it requires people like you to get up and stand up and uh, really uh, go after uh, a cause, and and this case a very noble one. You know, one thing that you said, and I, I'd like you to illuminate it a little bit um, that we had discussed pre previously, is that how easy it is to propagate child pornography. It's uh, mm. it's very mainstream. It's not like dark web. This is happening out in the open. Yeah. 
could you um, educate our audience a little bit about how how out in the open this actually is? It's not yeah. a problem that's relegated to a small section of the dark web. Yeah, so um, everyone keeps hearing about the dark web or uh, all of the things. Like, I usually never go there because you don't have to anymore. You do not need to know about the dark web to go there anymore. Everyone can go there. Most of the pedophiles that I catch, they are, they are not cyber professionals. They can't even upload a picture on Facebook, some of them. Um, but the fun part is, or not funny really, um, but these pictures are everywhere, like on open pages, forums, Reddit, 4chan. It's full of it. And Pornhub has been in trouble uh, this uh, past year for having videos where children are being raped. Um, you know, these porn pages have a lot of uh, videos and photos that they are not supposed to have. And people are taking legal action now. Pornhub has removed a lot of them. So that's really good. But also we have WhatsApp and Telegram. Those are like really? the worst channels for child really? uh, pornography. Yeah. Uh, on Telegram is where I'm mostly at. You can program bots to do so kind of things to to send out um, web addresses, pictures, videos. It's supposed to be like a fun and good thing, you know, for a group of people. And you need an invite to be invited to that chat. Um, so what these people do is we have something called New Saga. That's like a group okay. of pedophiles. That means that this is a new saga for the world. This is a new world where children are supposed to be uh, boyfriend and girlfriends with uh, grown-ups and how this is all natural. They have several, for many years now, have had several Telegram chats where thousands of thousands of people all over the world keeps getting invite uh, invitations. And there's like a dude calling himself Mastered and stuff. And you need to prove that you are a predator to get into these groups. Uh, and they will you, program you bots. You have to prove yeah. that you're a predator. Yeah, you all have right. to spread photos. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you have to show that you are not like the police and stuff. Um, so I have several users like everywhere on Telegram. So I do not need to send pictures like that because I'm already in. I have like an alias that they know about this master and people. So I always get an invitation um, anyway. Um, so these groups, are they keep adding like Telegram bots. Uh, which will make everyone, like, usually in a group chat, you can see people's phone number and names and stuff or usernames. But now they made some a bot that will just, you can send a picture and they will make you a nickname and you cannot know who sent that. So a day. So it's truly anonymous. Yeah, it's truly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot figure out who anyone is. Not. No honeypots, no IP grabbers, no nothing. You cannot do anything because you cannot click anything. Um, and everything of like IP grabbers or honeypots will get banned like automatically. They have programmed some stuff. Um, so you cannot post things like that. You can only post pictures uh, of children. Um, and in these groups, they always get reported, of course. So they keep getting deleted and then coming back up and then you need all these contacts to get in. Uh, but it's so easy to be a member there and 
I see a lot of Norwegian there, like people with children. Um, that's where the one guy was sent to jail. I found him in these kind of groups. And also, um, like Telegram makes it easy for child predators to spread their shit. Like, I keep reporting everyone and they just make new profiles, new phone numbers. You know, it's so easy. Uh, and uh, this new group that has this new bot have been up for four months now. You cannot, it doesn't help to report it because they have made something that will never end. It's so sick. Like they are posting over a thousand pictures and videos a day, the same ones that are on the dark web. And the thing is, they don't have to save it on their phones anymore because it's just there in the chat. So they give each other advice uh, about how not getting caught. And, and they're doing this all through bots, which are untraceable. Well, as far as I know now, I want to look more into those bots and see who is building them. Because uh, these are really technical stuff. Like, this has to be an IT professional. Uh, a lot of this so, is and, IT and professionals. And you were saying that, you know, most of these people who are operating in this arena are not, they don't even know how to upload a Facebook picture. Yeah, so. but the ones, so, like, having these groups and making these group chats, they are very technical people. You know, they've been doing this for years without getting caught. And they are, like, having the biggest um, groups in the world. So now, um, is it just, is it more than child porn then? Are these uh, people using the same technology for other criminal activity online? Well, some of them are for sure. Um, like, they are also trading pictures online. Um, but this new saga, like... You, you can see this like as cults or like groups, you know, some some will do this to earn money. Some does this because they really believe they have this belief like religion that children should be with grown ups. So it's all free. Everyone can join. No one has to pay for anything. It's just like a group of people sharing everything and sharing their feelings and emotions towards children. Uh, and then you have the other groups. Um, usually they do some stuff with drugs uh, or they actually sell children um, oh. uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and sometimes they get caught. Sometimes they do. We do see cases where they are. But they, it's getting so technical. It's so hard for the police. Like the police was shocked when I told them about this kind of groups. And they're like, can you fix an invitation for us? I've never heard about this. And that's kind of sad that they didn't hear hear about hear about this. Um, I heard about well, the, it. Well, the, poli the police aren't. Um, you know, most police departments don't have that kind of talent, yeah. right? Here in the United States, we know the FBI does. They they have professionals. Yeah, and we have also have kind of the FBI here, but they were also shocked. Really? Yeah, some of them were. I. I didn't talk to like the higher up technical people. They probably know, but when their boss don't know this and they are not given tasks that involve solving this, then it's just there. No one is doing anything about it. Uh, we really should have highly technical skilled people to bring down all these uh, this, uh, pages and forums and groups. We actually should just collect a lot of cool cool heads, uh, technical hackers, and just figure out who, who is these people. Because they are driving people to rape children. 
Like, the, you know, one to two percent of the whole world actually does have feelings for children, sexually feelings for children, but most of them will never do anything. But they still have this romantically or sexually realized feelings towards children. It's around two, three percent of the whole world. Really? Um, yeah, one to two percent of all males um, have just have like sexual feelings for children. But most of them live normal lives and they, they just feel something. Okay, they don't do anything about it. But then imagine being curious and joining one of these groups and seeing all of these videos. Um, and I, I, I really want to be honest with you because most of these videos and pictures of children, the children are having fun. It's not blood. It's not cries. They are actually in love with these grown-ups. A lot of they are actually having a good time. They don't know that this is abuse, um, and that's the worst part of it. Actually, grown-ups uh, teaching them that this is a good thing, and when these people that never have done anything or never maybe planned to do anything but are just curious, when they watch these things, and they start reading the text and the forums where they say that this is natural. This is why girls are getting their periods when they're 12. Um, then then they get this kind of feelings that, wow, I should really try this. Or I should join this. And then these feelings just keep growing. So you think these things, they become a catalyst by which someone who would have done nothing actually... Yeah. 100% on sure. Like, I have... I've been talking to pedophiles, I've been seeing a lot of them uh, and chatting with them with fake profiles where they have children themselves and they were like, I only want to see these pictures, I would never do anything to my child. And then after four months, he kept telling me how he wanted to rape his daughter with his ex-girlfriend. So they change over time uh, and he's in jail now, so it's no danger there. I'm really proud of that. I figured out who he was. Um, but, you know, I these kind of things, they're so damaging. Like, it's so, it's so scary because they get into people's head. And people are really struggling because people, a lot of the people that feel sexual uh, feelings to children, they do not want these feelings. Like, they don't want this. They want it to end. They really want help. Uh, and now we do have some help centers here in Norway uh, that you can contact if you are feeling this kind of things. So I'm really like careful when I speak in the media about pedophiles because they do have a problem. Um, they, a lot of them doesn't want to have these feelings and they need help. And then we also have to make them go and get the help and say like, I have a problem and I really need help. I really need to be stopped. Like that's so brave. Um, people say like, oh, I want pedophiles to rotten in hell. I want them to die. And like, yeah, the things they do is horrible, but we also have to help them out to stop feeling this kind of things. And we need to stop. Um, and we really need to take action against these pages and these groups and these cults and people like talking about children and grown ups together as it was natural because it's not. They are brainwashing people. Mia, you have hit this problem at all the angles. And we're already at the hour. Yeah. (laughs) I want to take the last two minutes and give you a chance. Is there any groups or events that you're doing or things that you want to plug? This show uh, will air on August 19th. 
So is there any things you want to let the listeners know about? And I'll make sure that those get put in the show notes and we let everybody know. Uh, so, so I don't really have any big plans. It's Corona. Um, I uh, don't get to travel as much, uh, but I'm doing some talks. Um, and I really want to get in touch with people that can give me uh, a place to talk more internationally. Because how I've do been... they reach out to you? Oh yeah, they can reach out to um, my email. You can post my email, um, okay. and also I have social media profiles and my LinkedIn profile. I usually answer on LinkedIn, and I do have a Facebook page called Mia Lansem Security. And I also have an Instagram, so I'm reachable everywhere. Um, I really want people to connect with me and let me know if there's anything they can help with or if there's somewhere I can talk, because I really want to talk uh, more uh, everywhere in the world. Now, if it's not traveling, then I would like to do like um, like on Teams or Zoom or whatever. I really just want to reach what, out. Next year, hopefully, when we're doing more events in person, it'd be great to have you as a guest speaker at one of the events. Yeah, hopefully I really you'll be allowed to travel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will be allowed. Uh, I really just want to to speak up, and also I really want to be, inspire women to study IT and to follow their dreams and just to be brave. Really, my tattoo on my neck says "Brave" in Norwegian. And I remind myself of that every day. And then I have this on this side here. It means don't give a fuck or fuck off. It, it depends That's on what situation. Point. Yeah. But you really, you, you do have to not give a fuck. And you do need to be brave because especially for women, you're going to get a lot of hate. And it shouldn't stop anyone. I will not be stopped. I will not give up. I don't give a fuck. I've been through hell. What more can they do? The only thing left is killing me. And I hope that doesn't happen. No, <laughs> we, we don't want that. And, no. and, and, and Mia, we are grateful that you have taken up this cause. Although there were some very horrible things that happened to you that led to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy but, like it said, happened to me and that I used it to help other people, even though I, I wish it didn't happen, then I'm kind of glad that it happened, because if it didn't, we wouldn't be here today. I'm happy to have that experience, and I'm happy to help others. Well, thank you, Mia, for spending time with us today, and uh, we'll look forward to hopefully maybe next year seeing you in person. I hope so. I would love that. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye.